Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Really bang up job with that, Jared. Thank you very much. Can I ask, and you might not have the answer to this, but... When Joe Biden said the Grinch did not steal Christmas, was that was he talking about a larger issue at hand or was he actually just talking about the story of the Grinch? <laughs> no, that was uh, the first year of the supply chain. Oh, crisis. gosh. Uh, yeah, that's uh, an original throwback. That was when he fixed everything um, before the supply change. Got it. OK, yeah. OK. With his elf, Pete Buttigieg. Well, speaking of Christmas and winter and snow, did you see the latest? So for a long time, and some of my listeners are probably old enough to remember, because it was just a few years ago, um, when we were told that snow was going to be like a distant memory, you know? Oh, sorry. I thought that was a Hunter Biden transition. My bad. (laughs) No, not yet. Not yet. Soon. Soon enough. Uh, This is from John Hinderocker. He's a friend of the show. He's always on Howie's show. Global warming, what can it do? So he said it was only a few years ago that global warming hysterics in Europe were predicting that snow would soon be a thing of the past. Well, guess what? Fast forward to now. This is from uh, German news magazine Focus, the headline. Experts agree heavy snowfall is a sign of climate change. Blah, 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 blah. That's why they had to change it. See, it was global warming. And they realized that... That wasn't going to work because you needed to be able to reference it at all times. And so then they brought into uh, then they brought up climate change. And that's a great one because it really does fit any situation. The climate's bound to change and you can point to it and go, hey, there it goes again. So it's coming back around like the way bell bottoms came back around for a little bit in the 90s. Leonard Nimoy talking about the frozen tundra of global cooling has made its way back around. Yes, everything comes back into style at some point. I just want to give everybody that update. So if you see some snow this winter, just know that it's climate change. And just know that somewhere Greta Thunberg is just furious. So what serving of crickets will stop the snow from falling in climate change? I just want to do my part. I I am still, I know it was a Friday show. I don't usually go back to things, but the COP28 finally ended. That thing was, I, I don't understand how long these things go for. Where does everybody stay? Do they get Airbnbs? Do, do they rent out these giant resorts? They, they have. It's Dubai. They probably did have a, like an all-inclusive resort. Like it's longer, Jared. Or something. It's longer than like Coachella. These things go on for over a week. They a lot have of these important work to get to. <laughs> they have these climate summits where they all sit around. John Kerry breaks wind. He talks about sex, and then they eat wagyu. They eat beef that is probably more well traveled than I am, and then they lecture us on how we really need to end people eating meat. It's just infuriating. Those cows came in on a private jet, and they're probably sitting around here talking about this, talking about how you're going to see snow soon, everybody, and just remember. It's climate change. Just remember that 
this is the problem that we're facing. And it's a serious problem before they get on their private jets and go back home. All right, but I didn't mean to get off on that tangent. I wanted to talk about Hunter Biden. So Hunter Biden goes on this podcast with Moby. They know each other. Um, They're old friends. Um, I think Moby is uh, recovering from something, and he met Hunter Biden in the process. And the timing of it's pretty perfect. Because as we talked about last week, a 56-page indictment was dropped in which Hunter Biden had nine charges against him, including three felonies. And what the indictment did, well, we really should focus more on what it didn't do. It it didn't go after the crimes that connect all of this to the big guy. It, It left Joe out of it. What it did do, which I found entertaining, was it broke down some of his spending, his spending habits, which are questionable to say the least and on the heels of this we get this interview these sound cuts of hunter biden which i would like to play for everyone because it's never um it's never a good idea to be smug but especially when you have so many problems piling up hunter biden is very confident um let's have cut 10 please and i've told you this before about your book it's a form of service you know, that being honest in public, being honest about your struggles, I guarantee you people have read your book and thought, oh, if Hunter Biden can confess these things yeah. in public, wow, I guess I don't have to be as ashamed as, as ashamed of my secrets. And that, by the way, that's the one thing, and one of the reasons why I'm going to survive this, and I'm going to survive it clean and sober, yeah. is because I am not going to let these mother okay, use me as just another example of why people in recovery are never going to be okay, never to be trusted. They're all degenerates. I'm, I'm just not going to let that happen. Just- you know, I have a question. I have a question for the audience. And I would love if someone could call in. And if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't want to share this, that's fine. You have every right. But if anyone out there is recovering from something, if anyone out there is sober, I would like to know if you appreciate Hunter Biden pretending that he somehow represents recovering, uh, whether it's drug addicts, alcoholics. I would like to know if you see the attacks on Hunter Biden, and I shouldn't even call them attacks, the very warranted criticisms of Hunter Biden. Do you see that as an attack on your sobriety? Do you see these indictments as a way to somehow attack someone who's trying to be sober because that's not what I'm seeing here I'm seeing and I I noticed this a lot back in 2020 when Joe was running and I would talk about Hunter Biden and occasionally I would get a caller who would say you know Grace I really don't appreciate it my nephew or my son or my dad is you know recovering and I would say to that person yeah but your nephew or your son or your dad isn't flying around on Air Force Two getting diamonds from Chinese businessmen. Your uncle or your dad or your brother or your sister or your daughter isn't getting a get-out-of-jail-free card for being the most spoiled, rotten person on planet Earth. And I would bet you that your uncle or your dad or your brother or your cousin who's trying to be sober isn't selling artwork for $500,000 to shady uh, business people throughout the world. So I want to hear from people. Do you think Hunter, because in my mind, the only person who's weaponizing recovery here is Hunter. He's trying to use it as a way that you can't attack him. 
And I love how Moby brings up the book like, oh, if you confess to all of these things. First of all, that's not how any of this works. You don't just get to write things down in a book and then you don't get held accountable for them. You don't just get to scream something, Jared. It's like I declare bankruptcy. You don't get to scream it into the void and then all of a sudden, poof, all your problems go away. And I'm not... I'm not sure where Hunter has this idea that by writing things down in a book that that means that you've been held accountable because it doesn't. You wrote a book where you talked about all of your debauchery and then you went on to these late night shows and you proceeded to talk about it more. You proceeded to make money off of it. And now you're trying to use it as a protective shield where no one can attack you because look at I already wrote it in the book. Yeah, but where in this whole story do you get held accountable? Let's play the next cut here. This is a cut. I actually would like to play cut 12, please. And they decided that the one way in which they would be able to certainly just undermine my dad's confidence and ability to continue to campaign and move forward, particularly after the death of my brother, to think that he could lose his son that he just had regained from an almost death through addiction. And so they just began to attack and attack and attack. This is pretty shameless. Like, I know Joe does this a lot, too, where they bring up Bo whenever they're in a bind. And it's really, really despicable. But to hear Hunter try to convince these two people and himself, really, that he's the victim in all of this. This man is an egomaniac. This man... If this were a Republican, the way he has treated women, the way he has treated his own daughter, it would be all over every newspaper in America. He would be the worst person in the world. But he gets a pass. He gets a pass on being a chauvinistic pig. And nobody seems to care. He can, he, he can uh, pay all these various women for various things and nobody cares. And then he, out of all the players in this, he's going to try to make himself out to be the victim. That's rich. Let's play cut 13. Which, by the way, this whole idea that this this may not, in every aspect, be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark <laughs> of what the Russians did. Yeah. There's, um, what's it called? It's called uh, eliminationist rhetoric. Eliminationist rhetoric was something that the Nazis came up with as a as a tool to to undermine uh, their political rivals and then putin has fine-tuned it and what putin did when he was coming to power in the early 2000s was there were still some real significant voices of some and some with real money and intellectual public standing inside of russia or living as expatriates that were speaking out against putin so what did he do hold on he hold on hold on at some, through all this crap and i'm already lost in it okay I'm lost in this crapola. Is the laptop real? Yes or no? That's a real easy question. I'm not as smart as Hunter. Okay, I didn't go to all these fancy schools. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an artist. I don't even have a memoir. But why in God's name are you talking about the earmarks of Russian disinformation if you know full well that that laptop is real? He knows it. He's admitted it on TV. He's like, yeah, it could be mine. Yeah, that, that's essentially saying it is mine. And now he's going to try to backtrack when everybody knows. The only person he might convince is Dan Goldman, who still thinks it's Russian disinformation. Besides that, people know the laptop is real. 
So who cares if it could have all the earmarks of Russian disinformation? The point is that it doesn't. And this man, this intelligent, intelligent man is going to lecture Elon Musk on being dumb. Jeff, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Jeff. Hi, Grace. My name's Jeff. I'm in recovery myself and I uh, have been for years. Um, most, most people who are addicts or alcoholics, we have certain characteristics, you know, that it's not about just putting down the drug. It's about changing the person you brought into the program. You know, like we're like narcissists where, you know, we think everything's about us and all this. And um, Hunter's not even close to that. He, he's not, you know, there's a process of being sober. And, and it's a long process. And no one does it, you know, like right away. I mean, there's like 12 steps and 12 traditions. And I'm not trying to be a poster child for AA. But it, it's about changing the person you are. You know, and then you finally make amends eventually down the road. He's not even close to that. He's still like, he's got, got every character defect in the world just by listening to him talk. Jeff, can I ask you something? So is there me. is there a step in that process where you have to take accountability, where you have to, you know, uh, take responsibility for your part in the problem? Right. The first step. You're accountable. You're not responsible, but you're accountable for everything. You know, you can't rob a bank and then say, oh, I'm an addict. Oh, I can't, you know, you're on that kid through the time. Yeah, you always got to be accountable for it. He's just not even accountable. I mean, these people live in fairyland anyways. Everything's given to them, handed to them. I mean, you want to see a struggle, be out in the street and try to get money to get out. Do you know what I'm saying? He's just never going to be accountable for anything. Yeah, he's gotten he's gotten a pass a lot, and he's always had a parachute. He's always had people covering for him, enabling him, um, and making excuses for him. And Jeff, I really appreciate the call. I appreciate the insight. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to hear from someone who's in recovery, who's sober, who could tell me, like, am I losing my mind, or is this dude still trying to blame everybody else but himself? It's Trump's fault. It's MAGA men's fault. It's the media's fault. At what point does it become your fault? At what point do you play any hand in this? We'll be right back. We'll take more of your calls. One thing about me that you can count on is I'm always chilly. It's especially this time of year, Jared. You get that raw feeling outside. It's so cold. And when I come into the office, I'm always excited because I've got my Gen 40 heater cranking. And it's great because it's just really warm. The the way I would describe it is like a fireplace style type of heat where it's convective and infrared heat so it's not that dry air that's blowing at you it's a really cool product it's really stylish and sleek it has a, a lot of awesome features which i love including a timer um and for this week you can use code grace 50 if you go to edenpuredeals.com use code grace 50 you'll get the gen 40 heater and you'll save 50 bucks plus they're going to give you free shipping as an added bonus this is a great product to have and really i mean Everyone loves to be warm, but also everybody loves to save money. And right now, with the price of heat, Jared, the, your utility bills, it's really easy to heat up the whole house and not realize you're burning through cash. Yeah, when I go down to the comic book room, I pass the oil tank on the way, and I always have my eye on it, and it's not going down as fast as it would if we didn't supplement with the Gen 40 heater at home, which is great. And what I really like about the Gen 40 
is, and Eden Pure has other products that have a similar look to them, but it's got a very kind of classic Mad Men mid-century look with some nice wood-style paneling and the nice deep blacks. So it's really, it doesn't look like you have this jet engine or you have some weird something or other in your room. It looks like a piece of furniture, really. So you stay warm, you save money, and, you know, it, it fits the decor. Yeah, and you can get the temperature higher and the bills a lot lower with the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. Again, you're going to save 50 bucks this week with code GRACE50. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE50. Don't forget that when you get to the checkout. Use code GRACE50 for the Gen 40 heater. I'm getting a lot of calls here. 484 says, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I was in rehab in 1988. Haven't had a drop of alcohol since then. Not an easy journey. Absolutely not. And you should be very proud of yourself. And I appreciate hearing from people who have struggled with this because I think... You know, there's there's a lot of wisdom to be had there, and there's a lot of insight that we could glean from people who have struggled. And I just don't think that Hunter, I don't think Hunter's ever going to take responsibility. I think he really feels like he's the one who's the victim in this. We'll we'll talk more about it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Follow Grace on Twitter at g underscore curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. It's my favorite song. I I would say it's my favorite Christmas song. You know what, Jared? Nope. I think it's my favorite song ever of all time. The best. Um, And by the way, people are responding in some of the songs Jared's playing to get you in the Christmas spirit. We have a lot of critics in our audience, Jared, and some people are saying, oh, that's the worst song. That's a we are going to do a poll question at one point. The worst Christmas song. So you'll be able to to pick from. Yeah, you'll be able to let off some steam on that front. Uh, Ron, you're up next on the Grace Curley show. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, hello. Hello. Okay, so um. Twitter, uh, Elon Musk just let uh, Alex Jones back onto uh, Twitter. I saw that, and, uh, and uh, he was with, he was with Tucker Carlson. And one of the things that Alex Jones brought up, and uh, I hope it's safe to say on the air, but um, he had said that he is predicting a sort of like a, a dual assassination of Trump and Biden, um, and. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's Alex Jones. Um, but I just am bringing this up because just to brace everybody for the anything can happen sort of mindset, because arguably anything has been happening since 9-11 in my lifetime, basically. I don't want to scare people, Ron. Um, I did see that Alex Jones was interviewed by Tucker Carlson and that he was back on Twitter. And I was actually talking about this today on WGAN because I said, I'm just... I'm not someone who's ever going to tune in to an Alex Jones interview. I don't if 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 other people in the audience want to tune into that, if they like that, that's their prerogative. Um, but I don't want to scare people. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll have a, a normal election. I'm hoping that everybody will be safe. I don't want anyone to get hurt or I don't want any assassination attempts. And that's why I think it's really important to call out when you have like uh, Dan Goldman, for instance, on MSNBC saying that 
Donald Trump needs to be eliminated or Joe Scarborough fear mongering and saying Donald Trump's going to execute people. This kind of language really can rile people up and uh, it can create a dangerous situation. And so I think that it should be called out because Lord knows if I was saying it here on the Grace Curley show, I'd be getting called out. I'd be I, I'd be getting asked to uh, clarify my statements. We will be back. We're going to play more from Hunter. We're going to play some Dr. Fauci as well. And most importantly, we're going to continue to take your calls. Don't go anywhere. It's Monday. We're back at it. This is the Grace Curley. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley show. Let's go to Dave. Dave, you're next up on the show. What's going on, Dave? Uh, deep the rot runs. Did I, did I say that last time I called in? You, you know what, Dave? It's my first time hearing it, so it sounds good to me. It, it, well, you know, it just it's always it gets worse and worse. The swamp just gets deeper and deeper, and it really doesn't get much better when Trump is in is around. So I, I got to ask you. I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but are you still okay? Because you were last time I called. Are you still okay with being ruled from D.C.? Being ruled from D.C. Um, what do you mean? Why shouldn't our states be independent? Why, why shouldn't they just declare independence, as New Hampshire is doing with legislation this, this 2024 session? Oh, that's, that's a topic I... It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, Dave. I really like to talk about things that I think could happen. You know, I don't like to get too hypothetical, and I just don't feel as though that's going to occur. Um, Maybe you feel differently, but as of right now, I don't think we're going to have states declaring independence from I, I mean, Dave, do you really? Oh, he hung up. I was going to say, do you really think that's going to happen? It's interesting, though. You know, I was I was telling Howie, I'm watching the John Adams miniseries 15 years later on HBO. And it's so interesting when they're going around and they're, you know, John Adams keeps going to Congress. What I didn't realize, I probably learned this in school, but every time he had to go to Congress, it was like six, six months away from home. He'd have to travel and then, you know, via horseback, and then he'd be gone for like six months. But every time he'd get in there, and each representative from each state, he's trying to convince them to get on board with the Declaration of Independence. You could almost predict, based off politics today, which states are going to be down for it and which states aren't. Like, it seemed very, New York, for example, was very not down for it. There were some states where I was looking at it, and I was going... Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense that they would be the holdouts. But the biggest changeup was Massachusetts, because as you know, Jared, Massachusetts, we were pretty badass back in the day. And now I just don't I just don't think we have a lot of that anymore. You know what I was thinking about, though? And I hesitated bringing this up because I floated it with a few different people. And maybe I just sound crazy. But while I'm watching this miniseries. I was, and I I know the reasons why John Adams and John Hancock and Sam Adams and all these guys were very upset with Britain, but it kind of blew my mind based off of how much we had in common. Like we were probably, what, dear, like two generations. Like there were people who had a lot of family in Britain still. We had so much in common and we went to war. 
And when you watch the show, it becomes really real. Like you have these British soldiers lying dead on your front lawn. It just seems like compared to today in this country where we all have, and I'm not trying to be one of those people who says we're going to go to war with each other. That's not what I want. But I'm just saying that compared to now, I actually think back then they had a lot more common ground than we do right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. And, you know, again, I, you know, the the states rights people and all that stuff, to put it in context, it was a lot easier back then to, it was a little more lawless, a little, a lot less legislated. It was a lot easier than it is today to decouple from a centralized government. I mean, it's been hundreds of years of implementation of legal legalese and lawfare and this and that and conditioning that, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody back then, they basically had to carve out their own life with their axe and a gun. Like, that was all you had to make it. Now it's, it's a completely different world. So, yeah, it would be great if we could have a federalist system where every state exists this independently but it's just not that's just not the world anymore and i don't think i don't think that movement's going to start at the grace curly show on this monday afternoon so that's why it wasn't on my list of things to discuss no but i mean again it's you know there is a meme going around but it's the fact that you know these guys went to war for a three percent tax on tea and meanwhile, we're just sitting here hanging out, not caring that the government takes 60 percent of our salary. OK, that's what I you mean. I, I'm yeah. watching it. And I looked at my husband and I said, am I missing something or is it's this kind of nuts? Before, it's not that it's not important, but it is a lot easier before the system is in place. It's like the toothpaste back in the tube. Type yeah, deal. exactly. But I'm glad you said that because I kind of felt like, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Zoolander. And I don't. I was actually, out of all the history lessons you learn in school, American history was the most interesting to me. But I don't, my brother, for example, is really, really, he still remembers everything. He knows all the presidents. He's really good at that stuff. I don't pretend to be that. But I was watching this and I was going, it's kind of nutty that it was over taxes. And what my husband pointed out, because he's a big proponent of the Second Amendment, he said it wasn't just over taxes. They didn't appreciate the British soldiers coming in and confiscating their guns and their ammo and things like that. And I said, okay, now that makes the, the couple together, that makes more sense. Right. It's like the Civil War wasn't totally, completely only about slavery. There, right? it was, there was a, a lot more to it. A lot it was of about factors. states' rights, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to go there today. But anytime I can talk about a show that I'm watching, I'm going to take that excuse. You know what else I want to take the excuse for? Because why not, Jared? We're, at this point, talk about the wild, wild west. We're just talking about whatever we want. I want to throw this in. Because if I'm going to talk about things today that are probably going to take people off, the football yesterday. Everyone collectively cringes in their it, cars. So I don't. Okay, so there was a call at the end of the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs Bills. Yeah, Bills I game. didn't hear about this. Yeah, I didn't see it. I'm not here to talk about the nitty gritty of the call. From what I've heard and from what I saw, it was a fair call. But Patrick Mahomes is now, I'm not going to use the word that I want to use. I'll say he's complaining, but you all could probably guess what I'm going to say. He complained afterwards. He threw a complete tantrum. Then he complained to Josh Allen while they were, you know, uh, hugging each other after the game. And he's just complaining. Oh, and he gave out this whole statement, Jared, about the fact that it shouldn't come down to one call, you know, that changed the whole outcome of the game. And I, I am just immediately my mind went to the Super Bowl. And I was like, wait a second, didn't you guys win based off one call? Wasn't that the whole story then? Was that, oh my gosh, one call helped you, help the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? And now Patrick Mahomes is going around to everybody 
whining and moaning that his team for once got a bad call. And then some people will say, Grace, it wasn't even a bad call. That's fair. But all I'm saying is, read the room. Like, does this dude have any self-awareness? I love I love to come on here and talk about football because, again, there's nothing like someone who doesn't really follow it giving her two cents. But I did think that was a valid complaint. Like, you, I've watched multiple games where the Chiefs have benefited from bad calls. And now you get a call you don't like, and all of a sudden the, the, the players on the other team have to hear about it while you're shaking hands. You know what it reeks of, Jared? Bad sportsmanship. That's what it reeks of. And I don't hate Patrick Mahomes, but I'm getting real sick of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm getting sick of the Taylor Swift of it all, of uh, Roger Goodell. Like they, they keep promoting this team. It's not her fault that they show her on camera like 17 times, but I'm just fatigued by all of it. And then I have to hear about him complaining like they're the underdogs or something. Am I, am I, tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. And, I, you know, I don't want to get all Bill Belichick on this. Please do. Play the games, but, you know, listen, if you don't want to get called for being offside, don't be in a position that's close to being offside. It's a mental part of the game. It, if you don't want to get called for a false start, don't false start. You don't want to be called for going offsides, don't jump offsides or don't line up offsides. I mean, the Patriots, back in the day, the dynasty, they practiced those situations. So they would have it in their head not to do that. I mean, yeah, maybe a bad call, but there's there's bad calls all the time. And like you said, the Chiefs, they, They've been, they get the benefit of, of a lot of calls. Yeah, they got the so, benefit of a call in the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. A regular season bad call, yeah. Like, tough it out. A little. You know, tough it out. You know, you'll be yeah. okay. You'll be okay, Patrick Mahomes. Stop whining about it. Anyway, um, that's, again, not where I thought we were going to go, but... I want to fit in one more thing here before we go to break. Dr. Fauci is doing an interview with BBC. They took a break from pushing Hamas propaganda and they decided to push Fauci propaganda. And so he does this interview with KDK. I'm hoping if I play this that um, some of maybe some of our religious callers can weigh in because I really found this to be an interesting take from Dr. Fauci. He's talking about how he was raised Catholic. And then he explains how he doesn't need the church anymore in his life. Now, keep in mind, I'm not a fan of Fauci. And I did just listen to the interview that Howie had with Rand Paul, where Rand Paul talked about the fact that Fauci said he was retiring. He's still going into the office. He's brought into the office by a limousine every day. And so I have that fresh in my mind. I have the Fauci. I'm not a fan. His legs are so short, he can't drive himself. He has to be brought in with a limousine. All right. So now you're at two today. How many do you get? Three? Three Fauci high comments? I'll give it two and a half. Okay. And so this is what Fauci had to say. This is cut one. There's the Green Chapel where Chris and I were That's where you were married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. Do you still go there? Do you no. Still, you don't practice no, anymore, do you? I don't, no. Why? Ah, uh, a number of complicated reasons. Go on. <laughs> we have a whole corridor. <laughs> First of all, I, I think... My own personal ethics on life are, I think, enough to keep me going on the right path. And I think that the, there are enough negative aspects about the organizational church mm-hmm. uh, that you're very well aware of. I, I'm not against it. I identify myself as a Catholic. I was raised, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I was married in the church. My children were baptized in the church. 
But as far as practicing it, it seems almost like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. Wow. Okay, so I wanna I wanna talk about this, and I want people to call wow. in. People are all, people are already lighting up the lines. I don't blame you. Here's why I want to talk about this, Jared. The fact that he says organizational problems in the church, I have no issue with him saying that. I know a lot of people in my own life who were very devout Catholics who, during the sexual abuse uh, scandals that broke in the church, they left the church and never looked back. I don't blame people for that at all. It's your prerogative. You know, you make your decisions. And if that's how you feel, I don't blame people. I really don't. Um, what happened was horrible. That's not the part of it. If he had just said that, if he had just said the Catholic Church has had a lot of problems, I, I don't I don't really like the Catholic Church. I would have said that's fine. That That's totally warranted. But to say, I think my own personal ethics, like at that point, I think he's kind of going outside of just saying, I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church, to saying, I don't need God in my life because I am my own moral compass. Like I do everything right. The... The ego to say something like the that. Hubris. I I mean, there are people, Jared, who are charitable, wonderful people who still go to church every Sunday, who still pray, who still have the kind of the notion or they're humbled by God. To say I don't need it because it feels a little performative and, you know, I live my life by a moral compass or I have my own personal ethics. <sighs> Maybe I'm overblowing it, but that it might be the most. You know who he's on, on par with? Jared keeps laughing back there. You know who he's on par with? I would love to have a battle of egos between him and Megan Rapinoe. Remember she said, oh, I hurt my knee during this soccer game. That's proof God doesn't exist. That was on par with Fauci. That That is an astounding clip. I mean, just, uh, you hate the man for his arrogance. But to hear him actually say that. My own personal ethics are enough. Are enough to keep me going. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that was in one of St. Paul's letters. And you know what else, too? It's. In my mind, it's saying to people who it's do in the back somewhere. You know? It's it's saying to people who do go to church, your own personal ethics aren't enough. Obviously, like you need church because you're all heathens and you're all you know you don't have the same moral compass as I do. But I don't need church because I'm such a good person. That's what it says to me. Maybe I just take it too directly, but that's what it says to me. Eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. In well, fact, God should be taking advice from me. I'm so moral. <laughs> God should really be taking advice from the science. And I am the science. So if he wants to give me a call, I'm, ava I'm available. I'm available for comment or for a magazine photo shoot. Yeah, if you want to comment on Dr. Fauci's take on going to church, uh, please do. 844-500-4242. Everything's so crazy right now. The economy, there's tensions in the Middle East. I mean, that's putting it mildly. A great deal of uncertainty. To say we've not experienced times like these is an understatement. But now is not the time to forget our fallen heroes because despite what's happening around us, we have so many reasons to be a grateful nation. And right now we have our military and our veterans to thank for our liberties and freedoms. And you don't want to forget that. We are so close to National Wreaths Across America Day. It's this Saturday, December 16th. 
It's finally here, and you can join in the mission to remember our fallen heroes, honor those who currently serve, and teach younger generations the value of their freedoms. And also, what I love about this is it's so meaningful to the families. If you watch one of these ceremonies, they're beautiful, they're moving, and they really, they they allow these families to take part in something that means so much to them and to feel really seen. The veterans wreaths have become a gift of America's respect. So join the more than 2 million volunteers and supporters who will gather to remember, honor, and teach at more than 4,000 participating locations in all 50 states. Go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. It's not expensive to donate. A $17 donation sponsors a fresh handmade balsam wreath from Maine with a single red bow. You're going to see these ceremonies, and if you know you're a part of it, it makes it even more special. So please donate today. Go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. We will be right back. We're going to take your calls on Dr. Fauci, who believes that his own personal ethics are enough. I would like to talk to the churchgoers about this. Do you go to church because you feel that your own personal ethics are not enough? And why aren't you as good as Dr. Fauci? Why can't you be as good as Tony? That's my question for all our churchgoers out there. We'll be right back with more. This is the Grace Curley Show. You're listening to the Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. We have a lot of people on the lines who want to talk about Dr. Fauci and his comments regarding the Catholic Church. And we will get to all your calls. So if you're on there and we don't get to it in this segment, please hang on because I'll take this conversation to the next hour. Uh, Today's poll question is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. Whether residential, commercial or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more on how to get your property sold quickly and contingency free, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to JJManning.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is do you think Claudine Gay will resign? No, I do not. Up to 69% now agree with you that she will not. And I bet Liz McGill is going to regret resigning very soon. I bet when she sees that she could have stuck it out, she's going to have regrets. Well, Liz Liz McGill has an unfriendly governor and doesn't check as many boxes as Claudine Gay does. Very true, Jared. Very good point. Uh, Judy, you're up next on the Grace Curly Show. Go ahead, Judy. Hi. Um, I have a couple of comments about Dr. Fauci's comment about his ethics. Number one, um, he got those ethics from being raised in the Catholic Church, so he really cannot be just assuming that he himself is responsible for those ethics. And the second point is that um, I am a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, and I do not believe that we can earn our way to heaven. And to say my own personal ethics are good enough, that means he thinks he can earn his way to heaven if that's what he wants. And I do not believe that. I think that the rift between us and God after the world fell was too great and that we have to accept Um, accept the sacrifice that Christ made so that we could be reconciled again with God. And my last comment is that 
church is a wonderful place. I love my church, but the most important thing is my relationship with Jesus Christ and getting to know him more and more and living my life with him every day. Thank you, Judy. Thank you for the comments. And I want to talk about Fauci's ethics when we come back because he is he's a big fan. He's a big fan of his own ethics, but I'm going to call those into question just a little bit. He's been known to tell a noble lie when the moment when the moment's right. We'll talk about that. We'll take more of your calls. Mike, Faith, Todd, everybody on the line. Stay right there. We'll be right back.